Yeah, hold that, please. Level five. Thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to urge in the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to urge in the Channelized Bimbingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. England are set to name a provisional squad this week for the Cricket World Cup in India later this year, as well as tours by New Zealand and Ireland. We'll ask if Ben Stokes will unretire to play in the World Cup. England's Ashes hero, Chris Wokes, joins us to reflect and look at what lies ahead, including the World Cup. And former England batter Mark Butcher joins us to discuss a whole host of topics, including the 100 We'll also hear exclusively from World Cup winner Sam Curran. And we'll end the show by hearing from New Zealand fast bowler Trent Bolt. And we'll take your questions. So plenty to come over the next hour. You're listening to The Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2. Well, Harmy, we spent the whole day wondering, will he or won't he? Well, will he or won't he? Will Ben Stokes unretire and go to the World Cup? It's amazing, to be honest. And then it... Yeah, we're still still none the wiser. We've got predictions from the you know, written journalists who are who are writing that he is gonna come out of retirement. We've got Sky saying we expect him to come out of retirement. I'll believe it when I see it. I, I look at it and I just think I hope so, right? From Ben Stokes, England cricket team, Josh Butler. I'm not saying he he stands between England winning and losing the World Cup. They stand a greater chance having that best situation player in the middle when times are tough. I just look at things he said during the summer, his body by the end of the summer, five test matches in India in the space of no space of time in January, February, March. I believe it when I see it. I don't think it'll happen, but I believe it when I see it. I hope it does. But let's let's watch this space because England having Ben Stokes in the middle of that team, where does he bat? Possibly, does he bat at number five? Does he bat at number three and fill that 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 number three spot when England are going to pick their team full of all all rounders? We're likely being two seamers. Ben probably won't be able to bowl. Um, I just don't know, you know, where the sort of everybody's going to fit in. You have to fit Ben in if he says yes, he wants to play. If he fits in at number three, he doesn't play that situation. Player lower down the order when finishing an innings or potentially getting England over the line in tight situations, which we've seen in the T20 World Cup, as well as seen in the, the 50 over Cup World Cup in England. So I'm not, it'll be interesting to see the d- dynamics if he does come into the team. But like I said before, watch this space. I am not 100% sure that he will be coming back as much as the journalists want to say. What would Ben say to Joss Butler if he said no and Joss said, hey, how can you ask Moeen Ali to come out of retirement for the Ashes and you're saying no to me? I 100% agree with that. And I couldn't have, I really, I wouldn't have 
the, the sort of the answer to that. One thing I will say, like I've said many times before, Matthew Mark and Josh Butler, the, this doesn't happen. Uh, this doesn't happen. I know for a fact it doesn't happen. But uh, looking at the coaching sort of dynamics between the, the Red Bull coach and the Red Bull captain compared to the two white ball guys, the, the, the larger-than-life character in Ben and Brendan, as opposed to very quiet, very reserved Joss and Matthew Mark. It, look, it seems as though they'll just sort of take what they can get, as opposed to Brennan, Ben and Brendan demanding, this is what I'm having, to rob Key. It's harder to say no to Ben Stokes than it possibly is to Joss Butler. I think Ben will find it very difficult to say no to Joss Butler. I think the bigger picture will always also be from Ben's point of view. He asked Mo and Ali to come out of retirement, a drop of a hat to help him. because I'm not saying because they didn't have anybody else, but Mo and Ali was, I think, fit and able to do that. I'm not sure Ben Stokes is fit and able to do what Joss Butler and the England cricket team need because it's not just as simple as saying, we will play you as a batter. I think the fact that we will go over there for six and a half, six and a bit, five, six weeks, fly eight or nine times and have all the, the schedule that is on the England cricket team because it looks horrendous, Panas. That schedule around India looks uh, looks hellish, coupled to the fact that that Neve problem probably needs sorting out. Ben might have very, very good reasons to say no because of this, as opposed to Mo and Ali going, not saying no because I don't want to. I know I've had me fill of test match cricket. I think Ben might have a reason to say no, where Mo and I wouldn't say he didn't have too many reasons to say he didn't have too many reasons to say no, and it was actually a he had a lot of good reasons to say yes. So I think it might be slightly different. Okay, well, just to quickly, um, how many spinners will England take? Um, I mean, I, I hope that Chris Wokes is in the squad because we're talking to him later, and we're both assuming that he is. He may, he may know or he may not. So what about Will Jacks? He's adamant that you know he regards himself as a frontline spinner. And, you know, if that's the case, well, his batting speaks for itself. Who else uh, might get a look in? How many spinners do they take? Do they stick to that old formula of taking at least three spinners because it's India? Or do they just stick to their strengths? No, I think I think England will fill their side full of, I think, natural all-rounders, you know, good cricketers. And a lot of them will spin. I'm thinking, I think Jack goes. You've got Moen Ali and, and Adil Rashid both go. Yeah, that's non-negotiable, let them two go. Um, Liam Livingston, another one, spin bowler with huge amount of potential from the, the the sort of lower order with the bat. Even though Liam hasn't played as well as I think he would like over the course of the last 12 months in international cricket, but I still take him because I think he's a match winner. Um, so there's four there straight away, I think, along with the prospect of having Joe Root in the side as well, because I would take Joe as well. It's a hard one, that one, Manners. Joe Root, David Milan. David Milan doesn't go to World Cup. You could argue he is one of the most unluckiest cricketers going because does his face not fit? I don't know what's happening there. But if David Milan doesn't go, you look at a guy who I think 17 innings since the last World Cup, he's had 400s and 350s. He's in, he's in the top five World, world ICC rankings for T20s and and 50 over competition, and it looks like we're going to leave him behind. But I would have Joe Root in my team, so yeah, you can't fit them all in. Root bowls that little bit of spin, which might just be the contributing factor why Joe goes. So there you're looking at if Joe goes, along with Jax, along with Livingston, as part-time but bad, 
that you've got five all-round cricketers with spin option in that, coupled with the fact that um, Mark Wood, Chris Wokes, probably Rhys Topley. I think Rhys Topley would be my other seamer that would go with that. And the other the other sort of left fielder, if you want to say manners, is there's a lot of talk about Jofra Archer. I'm not convinced that would be that would be great for me. I really wouldn't. I wouldn't put Jofra under that pressure of going there. I, I really wouldn't. I'd let the let the boy get fit properly first before even contemplating picking him for England. I don't think it would be fair on Jofra. It really wouldn't be fair on him. To bring him back in the way they did the last time and then all of a sudden it sort of it fell apart. I'd let Joffre ease himself back into cricket. And as much as I'm, and I'm saying this with with everything for Joffre and not for the England cricket team, because I'd love to see him back in a, in a, in a three-line shirt. I think Joffre deserves to come back slowly but surely um, in his own time. Very quickly, announced today that England will play Zimbabwe in a test match. Um, in Zimbabwe will tour England for the first time in almost 20 years. It's a four-day test match. Personally, I think that's entirely reasonable. I don't think that's an affront at all, but Zimbabwe cricket have painfully, I think, many t- at times, but successfully rebuilt themselves back into the competitive unit that used to play in the 1990s. And I think that's a fabulous reflection on, on the new administration at the ECB, that they've recognised that and they've said, yeah, it's wrong that we haven't played you for almost 20 years. Absolutely. A hundred percent agree with everything you've said. I'd like there to have been five, but if we if we were at four days... It's it's good to get Zimbabwe back. I told Zimbabwe in the late nineties one of the best trips I've ever been on, until the country sort of fell down and went downhill a little bit. Um, had some great great times out there and played in the last one here. That was a historical game for me because it was the first Test match at Chesley Street when uh, Zimbabwe came over. It was Jimmy Anderson's oh, the first Test. Jimmy Anderson he made his debut at, at, at Lords. Um, it'll be interesting to see if Jimmy goes out against Zimbabwe. So <laughs> came in and went out. 20-odd years later, um, I hope so for Jimmy's sake that he's he's still playing and bowling at, at, at that time. But it's great to see Zimbabwe back in because, like you say, they have had to rebuild themselves more than one occasion. And every single time they've come, they've come back quietly, but they've uh, they've come back fighting. And fingers crossed that they've, they've come and put up a good show in May. It'll be interesting to see where that test match is at because it's not been announced yet. I hope it's somewhere like Edgebaston or Trent Bridge because of you know, how well they hold test matches in the Midlands area. I, I can't see it being I can't see it being the Oval. I can't see it being Lords. Um, but I would like to think you know, I, would, I would take one at Durham. But I would uh, I think the, the more likelihood is it'll be in the Midlands area. So Edgebaston or Trent Bridge would be a, a fitting venue to bring Zimbabwe back into English cricket. Oh, what a pleasure to be joined by Ashes Man of the Series, Chris Wokes, who's uh, turned his attention now to the hundred and Chris. Three years after a launch that you were quite heavily involved in, you finally played your first game. Yeah, it's been a while coming. Firstly, good to good to be on with you guys. But um, yeah, it's been a while to, to make that debut for the Phoenix. But um, thankfully, uh, finally there. And uh, it was nice to, to get off with a win as well at the weekend. Um, we needed it. So uh, yeah, nice to be involved. I was going to wear my black and white shirt, Chris, but I'll, I'll leave that joke for another time. Seeing as though you've got... <laughs> ICC Player of the Month, congratulations on Thanks that. So just, just on the 100, you come back into the dressing room and me and Manners, it's took me a while to, to get used to it. The last couple of years, I've really sort of talked it down. But this year, I can't believe I'm saying that. I've actually quite enjoyed watching it. I've asked a few people, Do you, is it because people are getting used to it? Is it largely down to the fact that there's 
more quicker bowlers involved, or is it just you know the, the quality of the cricket this year has been a lot, obviously a lot better because you know they're getting ahead around how the format works. To be honest, mate, I think if you look around, you know, look down the squads, you look at every squad in this this competition, and you know there's some serious players knocking around, and um, I think whenever you get the best players playing against each other, um, regardless of the format. I think you're going to, you know, get people watching and entertain people. And, um, you know, it's certainly been the case this this year. You know, I feel like, you know, there's been a few games that I watched before I got involved. And, you know, there's some serious, you know, talent on show, isn't there? And I think whenever you get that and you get close games to go with it, I think it does, you know, create a, you know, a better a spectacle, spectacle, I suppose. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it the other night playing my first game. It certainly felt a little bit quicker. Just felt a bit, you know, obviously T20 moves, you know, pretty fast, but... Obviously, some people think that we still dawdle around the the overs occasionally and it can be a bit quicker. But it felt the other night, I certainly felt like the game moved along quicker and you know it certainly helps the people watching, I'm sure. Chris, there are better judges of the game than me that uh, reckon you should have played an awful lot more for England. There was a kind of sense, there was a question, wasn't there, that whether you were destined to be the nearly man with in, inopportune injuries and COVID taxi rides and uh, just... Yeah. But, but this was... This was your this is your summer, and there's and it, you know there's a lot more to come with the World Cup at the end. Do you feel like when you pulled out of the auction at the IPL that you, and you focused on this summer that all of that sort of sacrifice, if that's what it was, has now been justified? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I I, I never felt like you know I, I suppose when you make a decision like that not to go into an IPL auction and, and try and focus on on the English summer, you never really still know how it's going to go. I just it wasn't like make that decision and then I was guaranteed to play and, and you know, for the summer to turn out the, the way it has. But I just felt like I needed to give myself the best opportunity to play in an Ashes series, which potentially could have been my last as well. So, you know, I think you get to a stage of your career and you try and figure out what's best for you, one yourself as a, you know, as a player, your career, your family, you know, and going to India for 10 weeks at that moment in time just didn't really fit well with what, you know, was going on in my life, obviously away from away from the, the game, you know, with my family, young family. Uh, and then also, you know, with what was to come, the Ashes series, I always felt like I was wanting to give myself the best opportunity to, to be around and available for it. I know my ability that I can give, particularly in English conditions in the Red, with the Red Bull game. So I always felt like it was an opportunity to hopefully get another go at, at the Australians in, in, in home conditions. And, you know, I, I couldn't have asked for it to go any better, really. You've been labelled many times as the nicest man in cricket. I, I know if I'd done the media before the the Island game and didn't get selected in that, I remember I remember marching on the field of Barbados when Straussy dropped me on the bounciest wicket in in the Caribbean <laughs> a few years ago. That I wasn't very happy. But you, man, as mentioned before, not going to the IPL, feeling sort of what happened in the last sort of three Test matches. Just give us a sense of your feeling during them three test matches because you didn't just come in and, and sort of help England change the course of the Ashes. You actually largely, it was largely down to Chris Wilkes going in bat and ball and changing the, changing the face of some of the games as well. You know what, Harmi, I didn't really, you know, you go into a series like that, you know, an Ashes series, we know it's the, it's the pinnacle of our, of our game and, you know, I certainly see it that way and you kind of, you go in with obviously a few nerves, you're coming in mid-series, we're 2-0 down, and to be honest with you, I just wanted to be able to contribute. You know, you don't want to be brought in, you know, and not perform. So naturally, you have those sort of performance anxieties of, you know, you, you wanting to contribute, you want to be a part of the team and, and perform well. And I think what was good for me was getting, a, you know, an early wicket in my first spell, getting a wicket of, of minus Lavishane. I think that kind of settled the nerves a little bit. And I think that helped me kind of 
get a rhythm. I didn't have a load of Red Bull cricket coming into the series either. So I, you know, I've done quite a bit of training, but we, we all know that that time in the middle is is crucially important. And I think to get that early wicket and then, you know, settle into my spell really early really helped me kind of settle the nerves. And, you know, the rest of that game went really well. And I think, you know, when you have a performance like that, you kind of, you try and build on it and build that momentum and, and you know, utilise it. And I think more important in test cricket and what people forget about is once you get the kind of wood over a batsman or a bowler, you know, a batsman gets the wood over you as a bowler, it, it, that plays a big part in a series. And I think that helped me, the fact that I got on top early. Uh, and just tried to, you know, try and make the most of it, really. And, you know, I found it, found a rhythm, felt nice. The ball was coming out nicely. The ball moved around. And uh, I just tried to to do my thing and keep it simple, really. And changing format, um, you mentioned uh, 10-week IPL. Well, the World Cup's not far short of that. It's a, it's a long tournament, yeah. you know. And gone are the days when, uh, you know, there would be talk about foreign conditions and, and, you know, the lack of experience in the subcontinent now. You look at that squad, including yourself, you've played in the IPL. The subcontinent, Indian conditions, no longer sort of present the fear of the unknown. No, no, I think I think going to, to India for, you know, a World Cup is obviously exciting. It's a great place to play cricket. You know, we, we know how passionate Indian fans are, so it would be a great place to play. And uh, we're obviously trying to defend the World Cup as well, which is, you know, is massively exciting. We've got, a, you know, a great team, a great squad, you know, a hell of a lot of depth as well, you know, selecting that squad for the World Cup isn't, I'm sure it was going to be an easy job. So, you know, we'll go there with, with a positive mindset to, to, to go out there and try and win. Obviously, it's not going to be difficult. There's a lot of good teams around the world. And, you know, in those conditions, it will be will be a bit tricky. But, you know, we think in the past, you know, England England teams going to India and going to some continental conditions, you'd have, you'd have said that it's going to be hard work. But I feel with the current crop of players that we have that play in the IPLs and play around the world in these conditions, you know, it's no longer alien to, to us I think and uh, we kind of know what to expect and um, hopefully we can put some strong performances and the different skill sets you're going to have to use in that time in that World Cup because England look as though they're going to go with a lot of all-rounders a lot of bolt batters who can both spin Do you, would you feel your job will change a little bit because they're going to be a lot more a few up front and quite a bit later on more towards the death is that something that you have to work out now, even in even in the hundred? You know, you're working on your your plans for further down the line. That you know that middle period will be heavily involved in spin, but the new ball and the death overs probably what the likes of you know yourself and and one or two others from a seam bowler's point of view are going to have to nil. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think the most important thing in one day cricket anywhere in the world, obviously more important in in uh, the subcontinent, is you you got to make the use of that new ball. You got to make sure that you. You try and pick up early wickets because once good players get in on good pitches, you know they're hard to get out. Like you say, they're, they're more than likely going to be a lot of, you know, seam, uh, sorry, spin, you know, bold throughout the middle, throughout those middle overs. And also, I think you've got to make sure that you be able to adapt because, you know, played in India before where wickets are extremely flat, small grounds, fast outfields, you know, and it's, it's 350, 400 sort of score lines that you need to be looking at. And then also you can change venue and then all of a sudden, you know, 240, 250 is a good score because it's spinning, it's holding the wicket. So, you know, we're going to have to adapt, you know, assess conditions well and be able to play well on, on all types of surfaces, I think, in India. Chris, I'm not sure if you can comment on this, but I've got to ask you about your test captain um, and his passion and commitment to test cricket and the fact that he's got this wonky knee that there was talk about him having an operation on so that he'd be able to bowl and five test matches coming up in India again. I mean, that's, a, that's an arduous uh, prospect. I almost wondered whether it was sort of unfair that there was 
pressure that that he, he was even asked to unretire from fifty over cricket. Yeah, I mean, look, I, Ben Stokes is a is a world class cricketer. We know what he's capable of. We've seen him, you know, turn up in the, in big matches for England over a long period of time. And you know, I I can't blame the management selectors for for asking him those questions because you know I think when you go into big tournaments, you want your big game players, and whether you've got a you know a fully fit Ben Stokes who can can uh, can bowl you overs or not. I think what he brings from all three facets of the game is is just you know something which some players possess and others don't. And Ben's one of those players that can can turn up when you really need them. So uh, you know, I think Ben's a you know world class cricketer. He's been brilliant as a you know as a Test captain so far in his in his you know eighteen months in charge. And I think you know you look at him as a cricketer and you think you know are you a better team with him in it? And you know the the answer is it's a no brainer, isn't it? So uh, I can't blame them for for asking him and. Uh, you know, I'm sure it's uh, you know his decision, but whatever decision he's made or is making, I think it'll be the right one. Final, very short one from me, Chris. And when fit and in form, I have to say that you're one of the very best in the world, um, and you have been unlucky. Is there a sense now in your career that you're sort of making up for lost time and and uh, want to play as much cricket as possible? And I know you've spoken about dropping a format inevitably, um, but at the moment, just sort of fill your boots and and catch up for lost time. Yeah, absolutely. I think in the you know the current climate of you know franchise cricket, international cricket, all formats, and you know when you are a multi-format player, you, you you still still do need to be sensible. I think um, and make sure you're kind of picking your moments where you you know you get your rest. Um, but you know at 34, I, I want to play as as much as I can for England at the same time, but also want to you know take the opportunity to to play as much as I can in the in the short format as well. But you know, you, you try not to look too far ahead. I think that's all what, the way I've always tried to look at it. You know, injuries are kind of inevitable as a as a fast bowler, and I think naturally you're going to pick them up along the way. So you just hope they're not big long ones, I suppose. So I want to play as much as I can, but also try and be sensible as much much as possible. You know, big World Cup coming up, which we're trying to defend, that which we win in 2019. That's obviously at the forefront of my mind. And then from then on, we'll kind of just reassess. I think, but as I said, I want to want to play as much as I can for as long as possible. And it's great to watch you. Thanks for your time, Chris. Thanks so much, mate. Appreciate it. Cheers, guys. Our thanks to the England Warwickshire and Birmingham Phoenix all-rounder, Chris Wokes. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. I'm delighted to say that we'll be joined by an old friend of ours, Mark Butcher, who's uh, appearing on behalf of Sage, the official insights partner of The 100. Uh, So, Butch, tell us more. Well, I mean, it's basically data-driven analytics for the sort of like the layman, I guess, uh, making, finding ways of, of kind of may, maybe illustrating, um, you know, things like the wind predictor is, is sage driven. Um, you've got various other data driven points whereby people who kind of perhaps aren't as well versed in the game of cricket as you and I will be able to get a greater understanding of it. It's, it's pretty much as simple as that. Um, they do a lot of stuff across rugby as well in a similar vein um, and have been a tremendous partner. Uh, to the 100 over the last couple of years. And Butch, talking of the competition itself, it seems to have been, I know it's been rain affected, which is unfortunate, but uh, those games that have been completed, have, uh, I think there have been a lot more close ones than mm. than there were last year. And you know, Harmy and I have been a bit slow to, to get on board, but uh, <laughs> the competition seems very much to be catching on. Your highlights for the season? Um, well, they've been, they've been numerous ones, actually. Shabnam Ismail's um, hat-trick, well, basically, they needed four to win off off three balls, and she and she took three wickets, having been smacked for for four off the previous ball by 
Aussie all-rounder Tess Flintoff. She knocked her over and then uh, knocked over the last two. Game done. Thank you very much. Tammy Beaumont yesterday. I mean, the, the women's hundred has always, for me, has always kind of been a, a huge highlight of the summer because uh, you, you can see this. You can see this sort of upward curve, this huge progression that comes year on year um, with, with more talent appearing from everywhere, um, a much sort of broader, uh, a broader range of, of, of high quality players. Um, and more and more overseas players coming over and enjoying it as well. And so, you know, you tend to get these these magic moments a little bit perhaps more often in the women's game. Um, and, and as a result of that, the, the crowds have poured in and, and new heroes are being made for them all the time. My, my little six-year-old went to her first game at Oval Invincibles. Welsh Fire won. She wasn't impressed with Daddy's room at the Oval, but so she wants to be a Welsh Fire fan. So, and she cried when they lost off the last ball two, two days ago. So, I mean, that's kind of, that's the impact. Um, and the impact that the that the format is having on people who who might necessarily not have ever wanted to go and watch cricket or been interested in watching cricket has been has been huge, and that's an undoubted success across the board. No, no, I was just going to say I can't believe I'm going to say this. I've actually enjoyed the hundred this year um, <laughs> for somebody who has really struggled over the course of the last two years. And you mentioned the format, and that's what I've struggled with, yeah. and I thought the players had struggled, especially in a men's game. Do you think because they've they've now got their heads around it, there's been a lot more closer games, a lot more quality there? Do you think? Have you seen? Have you seen, because you're commentating on that? Yeah. You see that as, they're getting used to the formula of the game, which is making it more of a, a better spectacle. You know what? I I don't think I don't think that it's made any difference whatsoever. I think what's happened is is you've got a damn sight more potent bowling attacks knocking around. Lots and lots of in the men's game, lots and lots of of ninety mile an hour bowlers sometimes. Um, you know, two in the same team. Pitches have been a little bit spicy. Obviously, the weather's not been great, July, August and whatever. So the, the, some of the surfaces have not exactly been slogger friendly. And and because of that, the games have kind of become, have been a little bit closer. I mean, the, the men's tournament, there are five teams on five points now. Um, and only Welsh Fire look like they're going to struggle because they've played six. Everybody else has played five. So that it's still, you know, everybody is still um, very much in the tournament. Um, going into the last what last three games apiece, apart from Welsh five men, and and in the women's tournament as well, it's it's also a damn sight closer. I think only Birmingham Phoenix really have no chance of, of call it getting into the top three. So, all in all, I, I don't think that the format is, or that anybody has got their head any more around the format than they had in the last in the last few years. And I, I still think the the format. I'm with you, Palmy. I think it's a little bit of a red herring. What I think is fantastic is the compression of talent into to eight teams. Mm. Um, and and the fact that you have ECB have gone out of their way to try and attract people who didn't like the game before. And I think if that's the parameter by which it can be judged as a success or a failure, then it's a success. Uh, there are all kinds of other arguments about the about the uh, the rest of the effect that it's having on the rest of the game. I'm hearing that there have been great crowds at outgrounds for these 50 over contests that are going on at the moment. So there are so both types of cricket fans are being serviced through August now again. Lots and lots of arguments about the pros and cons of either and, and, and what one is doing to the other. But one thing's for sure, lots and lots of people are enjoying watching cricket post-Ashes, during the Ashes, um, and now through the 100. Uh, and so eyes on the game, that's what we want. We want people to be inspired by the players, by the, by the sport. And I think you could, you, it's very difficult to argue that that isn't happening. Which, if I may, can I change subject and ask no, you about hey. a man, a man who's not playing in the 100, and that is... 
England's test captain, Ben Stokes. Obviously, he, he was asked by Matthew Mott to to unretire. Um, Harmy and I, and I think you as well, called it on the day that he retired from one day cricket. We thought it was more of a protest than a decision he actually wanted to make. But with all the talk about him having a knee operation and, and with the five test matches coming up in India um, at the end of the year, do you think it was all, almost unfair to ask him to unretire? I mean, I'm sure he wants to play and defend the, the title. No, I don't think so. I mean, look, the, the precedent was set, wasn't it, when when they put up the, the bat signal to get Mo back for the for the Ashes. You can't blame Matthew Mott and Josh Butler from wanting to have the, the best possible team available to win a tournament. Ben Stokes's numbers uh, will never, ever illustrate the sort of the effect that he has on on a cricket team, or the effect that he has in games where you have where you must win. You know, the the two World Cup final wins um, show that emphatically. And so, therefore, Martin and Butler want to have available the very best tournament players that they can lay their hands on. So, um, listen, I don't think he I don't think he retired from fifty over cricket as a protest. I think he retired from fifty over cricket because he needed the headspace at some points during the calendar to kind of throw his all into the Test match captaincy job and and he has done that I guess when he did it that he might have thought to himself that's it it's over but I think in the back of his mind his body being well enough he'd have been more than happy not to have played another 50 over game unless it was in the World Cup and I think that remains the same and as you say the only thing that might be standing in the way of that is um, is this knee operation that is imminent that that needs to happen and that might happen during the course of the you know the the, the lead up to Christmas in which case the, the World Cup would be difficult but, but I still, I've just got this funny feeling that we're going to see him out there. Mm-hmm. About Joffre as well, you've got Joffre in the same boat. Butch, do you think in that World Cup, looking at the fixtures in front of me, they start on the 5th of October. The last game is, yes, it's on the 11th of November, nine games, and it's all over India. Yeah. With the pressures of you know, on and off a plane, you know, in hotel, out hotel, cricket ground, you know what it's like. Is it important that England take the 15 fittest blokes possible, not as much as, yes, you want the quality, yes. but they have to be fully, fully fit. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I mean, I think, you know, with, with Joffre, there have been so many false dawns and and I, like you, would, would love to see him and and for him to be absolutely 100% fit. But I just think it's it's too big a risk. I mean, we heard back in April that, you know, Joffre was was fine and that they were going to ease him into the to the IPL two weeks later and he's on a plane back home and we haven't seen him since, you know, and this keeps happening. So I think it's probably too much to ask for, for him to be ready for, for a trip um, of, of that sort of magnitude and that difficulty. But what I do think with, with England, the way that England might look to make up their squad is that given that the surfaces might might be very conducive to, to spin, is that they want to, want to try and get as many guys who can who can bat and bowl as they possibly can. Um, I think Woody is a, is an absolute must take, and, and given that there is there are gaps of between five and seven days between um, a lot of these these group games, I think he will be manageable. I mean, look, no one thought he'd get through three Ashes Test matches on the bounce, albeit that he was on his knees by the end of the last one. Um, and so I think I think he'll be fine. I think he'll be better for the run in the Ashes. Funnily enough, it, it, there's there's a robustness there that he perhaps didn't believe he had. Um, and then you know somebody like Reese Topley is back bowling again. England always very keen to get him in. You've got all rounders like Sam Curran. You've got Moeen Ali. Um, you've got Liam Livingston. You've got all of these guys who are dual purpose cricketers. I think one that might come up on the rails, and this might be completely mad, but I think Chris Jordan might have given himself that give, uh, given himself a chance of kind of getting back into fifty over colours. Not because he's going to be a 10-over bowler that, that you're going to rely on um, over the course of, of the tournament, but because if England the England are going to sort of supplement the likes of Adil, Adil Rashid and the, the specialists, 
they're going to need to be able to bat almost from one to 11. And CJ, obviously, as we've seen in the 100, um, is, is very, very handy with the bat down the order. So look, look for England squad to be full of, full of all-rounders, specialist batters, and guys who can who can more than more than look after themselves in both disciplines down there down through the middle and, and back order of the of the team. And Butch, I know you pushed for time. You've got other media commitments, but just very quickly, go back to the one day cup that you mentioned earlier. I mean, some of some of the games have been sold out. Worcester sold mm-hmm. their game out against Warwickshire and then got rolled out for a hundred, which was unfortunate. But <laughs> do you think it has a place? Um, you know, that we're seeing some real youngsters, you know, yeah. 17-year-olds playing and and if with your Surrey hat on. Even your resources are being stretched. Yeah. And so there have been question marks about the quality, but clearly it's a product that's being consumed. Yeah. Some pleasure. Look, I, the, the way I look at it, Manners, is that you kind of, you take the, you take the, the, the trophy, the winners of the trophy, right? They, they'll be rightly very happy to have won one tournament. Okay. But the, the sort of the luster that goes around winning that traditionally a 50 over a comp kind of disappears because the playing field is not level. But again, what's undeniable is that there is opportunity there for a lot of players that otherwise would not be getting it. And so in a in a sort of a roundabout way, I'm not entirely sure that this this was the 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 thought the thought through outcome. But in a roundabout way, you're kind of you're you're increasing your player pool again um, by offering opportunities for for players who otherwise would be um, playing second team cricket. Um, through the course of the summer. Now, again, all of the other arguments are absolutely valid around, you know, where is the championship cricket in August? Where is this? Where is that? What has this done to the sort of like the the integrity of a 50-over cup? Well, yeah, all of those things, 100% valid. And, and we haven't got time to go into in, into that here. But what is happening is your traditional cricket county fans are getting to see their counties play. They're going out to see them in some really wonderful um, outground locations, as well as, the, as well as the county grounds that are not being used in the 100. Those supporters are getting the chance to support their counties as they want they're seeing some young fresh talent play and behind all of that you're building up a pool of, of players who otherwise would not be gaining first team experience um, who are learning to kind of take care of themselves in, in in a bigger stage so all of that with the pros and cons of both I think there are some pros there that perhaps were not expected um, and have been very welcome thank you very much Butch lovely to talk to you cheers guys And that was former England batter Mark Butcher appearing on behalf of Sage. And a reminder, Sage have been running a competition during the 100 uh, that will see one small business owner with a unique prize worth £60,000 and the opportunity to be involved with the 100. You can enter now at sage.co.uk forward slash the 100. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. Next up, we'll hear exclusively from England's World Cup winning all-rounder, Sam Curran. Hold that, please. Level five. Thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertzen the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertzen the Channelized Bimbingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. 
every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show yeah. is absolutely yeah. incredible. Or anime. Yeah, and under this sure. mask is another mask. <laughs> <laughs> you can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday wherever you get your podcast, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and Double Ashes winner, Steve Harmison. And if you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can always download the podcast from the following on feed, available from the free TalkSport app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Okay, time now to hear from England all-rounder Sam Curran. He was at an event supporting the ACE programme in West London as they aim to support diverse talent from grassroots level to elite level. Here he is in conversation with our producer, TalkSport's Scott Taylor. So Sam, thanks for speaking to TalkSport. We're down here at Sixes Westfield. Just tell us a little bit about what you're doing today. Yeah, obviously had training this morning and then um, a few of us players, men and women from the Invincible sides have come down to Sixes. Um, obviously a nice little initiative with the ACE programme as well, uh, which a programme I know pretty well for being playing at the Ovals. Quite a obviously a setup that's been done to, I guess, give people the opportunity that probably haven't had that access. So I think it's an amazing thing. And hopefully this afternoon we can inspire young, a few younger boys and girls to take up the great game that we play. I've never actually been to Sixers before, so it's a bit of, a, a bit of, a bit of fun to kind of, I guess, get people who haven't really played to whack a few balls in a net. And um, I guess the, it's a really nice thing for, like, when I brings back memories when I was young. So it's quite cool. How important is the diversity in the dressing room? Because you've played a lot of franchise cricket yourself, so you probably must have learned heaps off various overseas from different franchises. Yeah, massively. I think um, that's the great thing about franchise cricket in a way is that you play in so many different um, parts of the world and meet so many different different people. So um, I guess those conversations that we have and I guess um, different knowledge about different aspects of life and even away from cricket is probably the most important thing because we all, I guess play cricket and that's our job but just having those conversations about um, different type of things that you wouldn't have around uh, when you're on the field because you're purely focusing on your cricket so um, it's great and I think um, hopefully it's a we can just keep inspiring different types of 
I guess people to take up boys and girls to take up the game that has given us so much and I guess it's days like this is if we can just inspire one or two people it's a, a step closer to making I guess the game made for everyone. You talk about the learning off the field as well how much did you learn from the the IPL just gone where you were the most expensive buy at an auction did that make you sort of grow as a person because that's quite a daunting tag to have on you so what have you learned from the months leading up to that? Yeah, I think um, obviously the IPR being such a big tournament, it's amazing fun. I've been there four years now, so it's been absolutely incredible. Um, this season was another great season as well. I guess playing with a lot of familiar faces as well, with Trevor Bayliss as the head coach, and um, obviously Livy was there, so that was um, really nice. Um, and I guess Johnny will probably be there next year. So um, a lot of that always helps when you go play in India for a long tournament like that. And yeah, it's a fantastic tournament, like you said, going back to learning loads of different stuff from new players and having those conversations back at the hotel around the dressing room it's um, a fantastic thing it's similar to the 100 in a way where you get overseas players coming in you chat to them and um, we're in a lucky position you get to learn from so many quality players and um, the way cricket is going at the minute is you you meet you meet all a lot of your opposition players that you probably haven't met before and you take up little tips about different conditions so um, yeah it's been it's been I've been lucky in that aspect to learn from different people and franchise cricket sometimes gets a bit of a bad rap but how has that improved your game especially as someone that plays all three formats that you could take into essentially the white ball side when it comes to England yeah I think um, the biggest thing for me personally has probably just been having played in a lot of the tournaments I guess has just experienced the conditions I guess in terms of like now having played in India so many times, the next the next World Cup's in India, so those things is pretty obvious. These players won't be going to India with, um, oh, what are the conditions going to be like? You, you know what they're going to be like. You've played in them a lot, so um, I guess there's no real unknowns about that. Um, I guess, yeah, and I guess, like I just said, learning from other players in those conditions who are experts, whereas when guys come to the 100, I guess they ask a lot of questions to us because we, I guess, an example is being at the Invincibles there's a lot of Surrey players there, so um, we play there week in, week out. We've A lot of our team talks have been about what, what are the conditions going to be like, and we feed off information to the other guys in the group. Um, so, yeah, that's, it's just a really... Uh, you can understand why it gets a bad rap, but at the same time, I think there's an, an unbelievable amount of positives about it. So, um, I guess, yeah, that, I guess that's where we are. We saw Alex Hales just recently call it, call it a day with England and said, well, there's just so many franchise opportunities and he doesn't have a central contract, so it's easier for him to plan the franchise route. But how exciting for you is that you're 25 still, so you've got 10-plus years still to improve and get better. Yeah, it's um, obviously Hales, he's had an incredible career. He's um, obviously gone down one of England's best players. I guess um, he probably wanted to finish with winning a World Cup, which is a pretty cool thing to say, similar to Brody going out on a on a massive high. Yeah, it's an incredibly exciting time to be a young, a young player. I think um, there's so many different opportunities. And like you said, I've always been playing all formats as well so um, I'll hopefully keep trying to keep trying to push my case in all in all formats and um, I just love I'm at that age I guess still where I love love playing all all cricket and um, I guess yeah the main focus now is on the 100 trying to win a trophy there and then yeah whatever comes September October will be my next I'm not a massive person who looks too far ahead I think that can be quite a, a dangerous thing to do in terms of I guess the way sport is injuries stuff like that and um and not trying to predict the future as well. So um, I guess that's how I try and play my cricket. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a massively exciting time for for younger players. And um, I think for a team like where we are now, we've got 
a lot of myself, Jaxie, um, I guess a lot of younger guys in the setup, but Surrey, who obviously Popey being there as well, and um, Sibbers coming back was quite nice. So we got a nice. This is probably going back to Surrey talk, but I guess it goes just goes without saying that there's a lot of young, lot of young players who I grew up with at the academy days now playing franchise cricket and in the Test stuff. So it's pretty cool. How hard? And I know you mentioned there you don't really take each, you take it a tournament at a time, don't plan too far ahead. But how difficult will that be in the years to come, where we see there's about 12 franchise tournaments now? So at the end of every summer, you probably have to plan your winter. Is that going to be more more hard, difficult for you with the amount of cricket we've got in the winter? Yeah, I think it, it, it probably will be. I guess um, you see guys now picking and choosing where they're going and choosing their winters wisely. I guess this winter for me personally will probably be just making sure that I'm fully fit and available to hopefully go to the to the World Cup. Um, I guess playing or well, having an experience the World Cup. I'm lucky enough to say that I did last winter. It was absolutely incredible. Playing against all different countries in a World Cup was was amazing. So that'll be my goal. And then I guess yeah, the winters. There's a lot of England cricket as well over the winter, so that'll be a big focus. And there is a few franchise tournaments. So. Um, I guess, yeah, the game's moving pretty fast and things are changing quickly. But um, for now, I, like I said, I don't want to look too far ahead because you never know. Like, it could be all well and good. I think guys are just making choices, but um, I think it's just an exciting time to be playing cricket. And um, I guess, yeah, I think it's getting to a stage where there is so much cricket, so you have to make choices. I've experienced injury before, so never want to overload and I think that's also a mental thing in terms of you don't want to be playing too much cricket because you need that rest, you need that buzz to continuously turn up at the top of your game because there's so much cricket guys are turning up top of their game you don't want to be coming in a little bit cooked is that harder for you maybe in the years gone by because now a lot of people would argue you're quite an established franchise player but in the years two or three years ago as a youngster is that hard to saying no to opportunities because you want to impress and then want to down the line get that opportunities more regularly of course and I think um, just with how much cricket there are there is I'm you obviously want to play so much but um, having experienced a break it, it probably does you good as well so um, I was actually quite surprised when when Brookie was playing in the in the 100 the other day having had a, a seriously amazing Ashes series but then again he's in great form and he he's just enjoying that enjoying your cricket so um, there's obviously some other guys have asked for a rest which you can understand because they're just managing their their workload and they everyone's different and I think that's the the beauty of it everyone's different you can make your own choices but um, I think the last thing you want to do is be playing for the for the sake of it in terms of just trying to do the right thing because that can actually fall into into a trap where you're just kind of not turning up at your top of your game and I think for someone like Brookie you saw Moe's back playing last night which is great and I think Rooty's going to be back playing tomorrow so it's great to have those guys playing in the 100 because we need that they're the top top players and um, that's what makes the tournament is what it is I think this being the third year of the 100 it's quite um, it's quite a big year because I feel like the first two years were probably a little bit unknown and this year I feel like everyone's got to grips with the rules and hopefully I feel like the teams are very strong this year so um, yeah fingers crossed that my team can go far and there's a lot of closer games this year yeah. which we probably didn't see in the last for the first two editions earlier on you talked a lot about inspiring the next generation what did you make of the, the Ashes this gone and did that Watching it, did you think, oh, yeah, I want to be a part of that? Of course, yeah. I said actually earlier, somebody I said it was incredible, incredible to watch. I think anyone who watched the watched the tournament would have loved it. Um, no, the series, sorry. It would have been amazing to be a part of. Um, I think the way they play with so much freedom, so much 
confidence from being 2-0 down and the guys to come back and were unlucky at Manchester and then to play those two amazing games to finish was absolutely amazing. I, hope, I think it would have inspired a lot, of, a lot of young kids. We've got a lot of young kids here today as well to kind of, I guess, inspire and um, even if it's that one or two boys and girls to kind of, we could have the next Ben Stokes, we could have the next, um, I guess, Zach Crawley, guys who had amazing series. Those guys and the way they're playing as well is inspiring people to kind of go out there and be attacking and entertain, not lose that fear of failure and kind of, yes, there's a lot of pressure, but take, try to take that pressure away, which it seems like they've done. I guess I haven't, I haven't been a part of the group, but um, from chatting to a lot of my mates in the side, it just seems like it's just freed up that, that um, mentality and guys are thriving off that. So, yeah, it's been great to watch and um, hopefully it can continue. I know you haven't played in the test side for a couple of years, but you did hit that 100 for Surrey. Have you had conversations about getting back into the test side again? Oh, well, I guess I haven't had any conversations, to be honest. But, um, yeah, of course, I just love... Like I said earlier, I want to keep playing cricket and um, if I get picked, I get picked. But if I don't, I guess just got to keep working hard and um, keep trying to do my best. I'm a mass, like I said, I'm not, I don't actually like to look far ahead because, like I spoke about, but um, yeah, it looks a great team to be a part of, great fun, and um, they're winning games of cricket. So, um, And any time you put on an England shirt is very special. And I think we're lucky in England we get supported incredibly well by all the fans, the Barmy Army, stuff like that, where it's um, incredibly special to walk out for England. So, um, yeah, f- hopefully main focus for now, I think we're just trying to get on that, that plane to um, India in October. How, how does winning a game for England or, or playing for England differ to a franchise tournament? Because a lot of people with franchise tournaments, the argument is they don't really have that connection where you have that connection with England. But are you someone that just... Don't care what jersey you're wearing, as long as you're winning cricket matches, that's the main thing for you. Yeah, I guess I'm I'm a very very competitive person, so I don't like losing. I think any time, wherever, whoever I'm playing for, I try and win the game. I think that's a no, it's a no-brainer. Um, you can understand why guys say say what you said, but um, for me personally, it's just about trying to win every single game. The next few months will be win up, win for the Oval, and then win for hopefully England in the next couple of months, and then I think it's just be having that having grown up in a very competitive family it's probably been brought out in me to win at all costs so um i think yeah i think that doesn't change and um there was an incredible feeling winning the world cup i don't think anything can touch that but um that gives you the hunger and drive to win more trophies and um, i guess the next trophy will be the hundred hopefully and then and the other trophies to come. So I think it's just, yeah, win at all costs, I guess. That was England all-rounder Sam Curran speaking to TalkSport's Scott Taylor at an event supporting the ACE programme as they aim to support diverse talent from grassroots to elite level. Right from the beginning of the Cricket Collective, uh, we talked about defining Sam Curran. He can do everything. Um, We wondered whether he was a a jack-of-all-trades and whether that would count against him. I suggested that I thought he was better than a jack of all trades he was he was the king of all trades which probably makes diffi- the situation even more difficult but but t- does he come back into the test team now yeah i think he comes into reckoning i'm not sure he comes in straight into the team i think chris Fox is going to come into the i think that to fill that number 8 spot um on a more more regular basis i think he could be now a shoe in for 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 quite a while chris Wokes, or for at least the next sort of cycle leading up towards what the the next ashes Sam, again, since we've been talking about this, since we've been on the Cricket Collective, it's like, what? Where do we? Where does he fit in? Where do we get him in? How do we get the next sort of fears of this development of this such a tight talent? I love Sam Curran. I think he's absolutely brilliant. He 
his box office and everything he does when he goes out and put where he goes out and plays. Again, I keep using this phrase. I keep writing my teams down and I'll put, pick Sam in the first 12 every time, one of the first names on the team list. And then he finds himself at number 12 every time because I don't know where <laughs> I'm going to fit him into the, the dynamics of how the team's going to play. And he's he's sort of versatility when he goes and plays franchise cricket. Um, means he can't play a long run of first-class cricket. So when he goes off and plays franchises and he's in the 20 T20 Blast and then he plays and obviously the 100, he got a first-class 100 yeah, not long ago. And I, was, I got sent to bats when we were doing the commentary. It would be great if Surrey could just bat him at number six and you know turn him into the genuine all-rounder that this boy has got so much talent for. But then giving him time to play six or seven first-class matches with all the games he's got around the world, um, I think the best thing for the boy is just play cricket. Right, just play cricket. Enjoy whatever game you're playing. He's got a quite a simple philosophy in life that he says he just concentrates on the next game. The test team will come. They'll find its way. He's still very, very young. So for me, I just I like seeing him playing for England in whatever format. And if I can fit him in my test team because there's a place opens up or we've identified a slot that he potentially could come you know, further down the line, we might end up with a number six who can keep wicket. Uh, you're talking about the likes of Jamie Smith and, and, and Ollie Robinson. Can they bat at number six to keep wicket? And then we have a genuine all-rounder at number number seven, number eight. That could could where Sam Curran could fit in if he if if that fits. But I think there's a couple of years waiting on that. But I think it's just nice to hear him talk about his love and his enthusiasm for the game and wants to, to be the best he possibly can be. And I think any team that Sam Curran plays in, any players the best he possibly can be will always be have a good chance of winning because he's a talented, talented cricketer. One thing we can say absolutely irrefutably, Harmy, is that uh, with bat and ball, he wouldn't have any difficulty fitting into baseball. No, he wouldn't. No, he wouldn't. <laughs> he rocks up. His first over always goes for a boundary. He rocks up. He's, more often than not, his first ball goes for a boundary or his second ball goes for a boundary. Um, and then he'll produce a wicket out of nothing. You know, we've seen so many times when we come to it in South Africa, I mean, in, in the West Indies, on some of the flat decks, and you're thinking, he's not going to be effective on these slow things because of the pace that he bowls. But then all of a sudden, he'll bounce somebody out. And he's, again, in, in South Africa, the same when, I think it was in Pretoria, when Jimmy got injured. You know, he, he, bowled, he bowled very well out there. So there, there is a place for Sam Curran in, in, in red ball cricket. Um, there is a place for Sam Curran in, in every game of cricket just finding the balance of the team and where he fits in, uh, as well as managing workloads because his body's still young. Um, I think that's the that's the biggest thing from from Rob Key, Matthew Mark, Brendan McCullum and the two captains to find a roadmap that is going to suit both sides because undoubtedly when he gets in a test team and he does well in the test team, then it's going to be very, very difficult to, to find a way of, of getting Sam Curran through 10 months, 11 months of, of international cricket. As well as that, he'd be be offered an absolute fortune at all the franchises around the world. So from himself and how he wants to, his mindset of playing cricket, might be a little bit different to what Harry Brook's mindset has been, which is Harry Brook wants to play for England. He wants to be the best test cricketer he possibly can. But Harry Brook fits into that test match mode, which is the the definitive role as a a top-order batter. I think Sam's still trying to find his definitive role is an all-rounder in that England test team. And I think that's why there's a little bit of time yet for Sam Curran, the test cricketer, but the rest of it is absolutely brilliant. 
sometimes you need to define yourself don't you then you have to decide what you want to be and then set out to become it all right you're listening to the cricket collective on talks for two with me neil manthorpe and the former number one bowler in the world steve harmison okay let's uh, talk about england's build-up to uh, the world cup it's a pretty hectic one to be honest um including 40 20s and four odis against new zealand for whom trent bolt makes uh, a comeback almost a year after last representing the Black Caps. Let's hear what he had to say about that. Franchise cricket, it isn't taking over, but it's becoming more, uh, there's a lot more of it. But I still think international cricket plays a massive role in, uh, I suppose, earning you the right to get into the franchises and, and play. And franchise cricket can be pretty hard. You're one or two performances away from, from being pushed out of a franchise and there's hundreds of cricketers trying to come in behind you and, and, and take that role as well. So, there's a lot, a lot at stake, but yeah, like, like I've said, I've just been very fortunate to, to get the opportunities I've had, and I've just tried to take them with both hands. That was uh, Trent Bolt talking about his return to uh, the New Zealand side and uh, and going one step closer to the World Cup than they managed four years ago. Strange, Harmy, um, he said that um, international cricket plays a massive role in earning you the right to play franchise cricket. That's upside down, isn't it? Well, it does at the start, because if the minute you get into the international team, franchises want you. But I'd also go the other way and say, well, if, if you are playing for your country and you, you know, you're so sort of patriotic about playing for your country, international cricket would come before playing franchise cricket. To many people, I would say, yes, that's right. But there are certain players who I think have earned the right for it to be, to, to have said, right, but they've had their day in international cricket. And I'm thinking the likes of Avi de Villiers, I'm thinking the likes of Chris Gale. Uh, and I'm also thinking Trent Bolt in this as well, because they've given everything for their country. And now they're, they're going to cash in on the, on the franchise gravy train. So there are some that I think when they say oh, they'd rather play, well, they, they choose to play franchise cricket over international cricket. I don't have a problem with, because they've earned their right to do that. And there are one or two who... Well, I question. I don't question what their motives are because it's financial, and I and I get that. And they're trying to make as much money as they possibly can. But there'll be one or two in thirty, forty years' time when, yeah, they might have a few quid in the bank. But when they look at their careers and see, you know, six or seven Test matches, thirty-one day nationals, thirty T20s, did they fulfil everything they had in their career? I'd say probably not. But the likes of De Villiers, Gale, who played hundred Test matches, and even Trent Bolt, who's played a lot of Test cricket. For a New Zealander, um, because they don't play a great deal of cricket, I think they've earned the right to go off and play franchise cricket and pick and choose when they play for uh, international, when their countries, uh, whenever they are, whenever they're selected and they want to play. The difference um, between Trent Bolt and most of the other players to whom you refer is the fact that Bolt is in the prime of his career. He's not thirty-seven um, and lost a yard of pace. I mean, he—that's—that's that's why it was so newsworthy and eye-catching at the time that he refused a contract from Cricket New Zealand because he was only 32 and I think he's just 33 now but he is still very much in the prime of his career and he said I want to maximize my earning potential but I don't want to stop playing for New Zealand and people did say well you know that's having your cake and eating it but Cricket New Zealand being the forward-thinking organization that they are they to a certain degree have allowed him to do exactly that. Yeah, because I think, again, I think he's earned the right to, to have that conversation with Cricket New Zealand. He's played a lot of cricket for New Zealand, multi-format player. And the contract that he gets from Cricket New Zealand and the amount of international cricket that's on offer 
it's not a huge amount. It's not massive amount, both in monetary terms. And cricket in New Zealand don't play a lot of test matches. And that's not their fault. It's just just the way it is. It's always they've always been a very, very good organization to make sure their their cricketers can maximize everything they can from an earning capacity. But because Bolt is such a multi-format player that is wanted all over the world, they were just unfortunate that franchise tournament just fell just at the wrong time. And he has decided that, well. If that's going to be the case and I'm going to be held to this, then I might be better off not having a contract. Somebody else can have the contract. And then it's up to the selection panel in the, in the board if they want the best team on the park or they want to you know, move on from somebody who, who still wants to play but doesn't want to accept a contract. I don't have a problem with that if at the age that they're at. England might have the same this year, you know. Not as in they might, you know, from a central contract point of view. I can't wait for the central contracts to come out from England this year. Because Jimmy Anderson, it's a big one. And let's not, I've stuck by Jimmy time after time after time. And everybody says yes, because he played alongside him and he's your mate and this, that and the other. The ECB have got a difficult decision whether they give Jimmy Anderson a contract or what type of contract they give Jimmy Anderson because of the age that he's at, the amount of cricket that he's going to play. I mean, there's not many test matches throughout this year. Is he going to go to India? Is he going to play the whole lot? So England might have decisions to make on their contract situation, on what they prioritise. I've got no doubt Jimmy's going to get a central contract, but it's what type of contract that he gets offered will be interesting because of the amount of the amount of cricket that he will play. So, yeah, Trent Broke was well within his right to turn around, like ECB might do with Jimmy, turn around and say, look, I don't want the contract, but I still want to play cricket for New Zealand. And it's up to you if you want to pick me or not. Okay, well... I still think New Zealand will be very, very competitive at the World Cups. Really interesting, actually, look at their fixture list. They've got like a C team playing the UAE in uh, in Dubai um, at the same time. That you, it's so difficult to keep up. You read through one of their press releases and it's like these players will leave Auckland and they will stay over here for three days. Then these three will move out of the T20 squad and, and these four will come from uh, – uh, it's just – the logistics, I mean, travelling from the other side of the world, I suppose. But uh, anyway. Um, yeah, but and that, man, as you've, we've, we've, the last two weeks, we've talked about South Africa sending a sea team to, to New Zealand in a, in a couple of months' time when the SA20 is on. England will play England will play a B-side, C-side, D-side, whichever way you want to go against Ireland when Ireland play in the three one days at the start of, uh, at, at the end of, to finish our English calendar, uh, English summer. So you're going to find that to fit everything in logistically and to maximise where the team is, the main team is, all the time, you are going to see teams putting, not putting two teams out at once, but having another team playing while the other team rests, recuperates and get themselves ready for what is more important. England, really, ECB, not important the three games against Ireland. It's more important that the World Cup gets the best possible preparation for the 5th of October when they play New Zealand uh, in Ahmedabad. Yeah, we've got heaps to get through and time's running out. Um, we need to talk about Tammy Beaumont, or at least uh, give her a, a very, very honourable mention. First 100 in the 100, women's 100, um, and a, a brilliant one. I only saw highlights of it. But um, Pritvi Shaw um, is uh, setting the uh, one-day cup alight with a, a double 100. And we've got our first um, question as well in the mailbag, which uh, we'll have right at the end. That also includes... Uh, the one day cup. Yeah. Pritvi Shaw and Steve Finn. I mean, I can't remember who, who was it who said, described him as unselectable. When, Ashley uh, Jones. 
It was Ashley Giles. That's right. Yeah. Said he was unselectable when he went. He was part of the Ashes squad, wasn't he? Was it in 2013? It was part of the Ashes squad, I think, in 2013. I, I thought it was... Uh, I thought that was unfair. Um, I've been in that position many, many times. And I was going to, I didn't reach out to Stephen. I was going to, because I, I knew what it felt like. You know, I felt like you, you just don't want to let go of the ball. You had the yips and you really had no confidence in where, not only where the ball's going, but you know, anything about your movements and scramble brain, everything that was going. And, and I understood everything that Stephen was going through. And I probably should have reached out to him while he, while he was having that sort of darkish time. But he had a fantastic career. He's 36 test matches, probably because of injury and one thing or another, that doesn't reflect on um, a number that he probably could have, he should have had more. But what a, a, a he won the Ashes three times and he was a key player in big parts of, of, of winning big series for England. Fantastic white ball bowler. He was a, he was just a, he's just a good old, good old, he was a good old round cricketer who, I think was was popular in in most dressing rooms, like Chris Wokes, who we talked about earlier. He was just a really really nice lad. Who for me, three Ashes wins at the end of your career. Hats off, brilliant career, first class as well. Well done, Steve Finn. Okay, we come to our mailbag now and uh, our listeners' questions. I mentioned Prit V Shaw scoring two hundred and forty four against Northamptonshire. It wasn't the only double century in the one day cup because James Bracey scored one as well a phenomenal 224 not out from 151 balls and Matt Price has uh, written in Harmy and he, he he's talking about that game that one day cup game between Gloucestershire and Somerset and he says that uh, he points out that Somerset played two bowlers who was 17 and 18 James Langridge 17 year old left arm seamer bowled eight overs and took one for 95 Josh Thomas, slow left arm spinner, only bowled two overs, but went for 15s. And Matt Price's question is, is it good or bad for young players to be promoted to play list A cricket or first class cricket before they're really ready for it? Will it not harm their careers? Or is it a question of taking a teaspoonful of cement and toughening up and learning from the experience yeah it's a little bit of learning experience uh, to the to answer the question i think it's good first and foremost the reason why i think it's good is because they will become better cricketers for that because everything about that experience on the day will enhance their development as professional cricketers the game's played faster the higher up you go the game's played a little bit quicker in the mind the higher up you go the quality of the cricket you play not only on the outfield and on the surface, but the players you play against is better the higher up you go. So when you, the more you play, the better you'll become. So you'll go back down and play second in cricket or you go back to playing you know, academy cricket. You will think quicker. You'll think better. Your movements will be a lot better for having that experience. And as long as you've got a good captain, as long as you've got a good coach, as long as you've got somebody who is making sure that you're seeing everything from a positive frame of mind and not just looking at figures, then I think you've got a great, great chance because, like I said before, everything that goes with playing at a higher level will make you a better cricketer if you embrace what happened. Uh, my first my first first-class match for Durham, um, it lasted two two days, if that. I don't even think it lasted that long. We got ball out for 120, 140. Leicester, who won the championship that day, got 500 and we were bowled out by, I think, between lunch and tea on day two but for under 100. My figures were not for 77 off nine overs. All I bowled in the game 
Um, and Phil Simmons whacked me everywhere, and he, he got 170. And it was a brilliant learning curve for me. It was an absolutely brilliant learning curve for me. And again, I went to Australia first, my second, third, fourth, and fifth test match. And I'm talking about a different level here. But I, I went to play in that 2002-2003 series, come back with 10 wickets, played against the who's who of great cricketers could come out of Australia. And you know what? I came back from that tour going, well, I can play against them. I can play against anybody. I really <laughs> felt that way. If I can play, people are saying, you know, quite positive things about my performance against Australia. With, you know, I'm not even going to go to them. It was better off just saying Stuart McGill, who probably wasn't the great, wasn't the sort of all-time greats of the 13 cricketers I played against in that five-test match. McGill will argue that he was. But coming back from that for me was, I think, the best thing I'd, I'd ever experienced because I got better for that. And so these young lads who are playing this list day competitions, listen to your captains, listen to your coaches, understand what you did what you did right and what you think you possibly did wrong. Just think it's because the pitches are better, the class of quality of the cricketers are better because they think quicker. Their, their preparation is a lot different and learn from the experience. And I tell you what, you'll be better for the experience next year when it comes along. And I would just add to, to James and Josh, remember all the good things you did to get selected in the first place. Absolutely. Right, you've been listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. And if you've uh, missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed, now available via the free TalkSport app or wherever else you get your podcasts. We'll be back at the same time next week and uh, we'll be joined by England batter Will Jacks. I should say all-rounder because he'll tell us how seriously he's going to take his uh, bowling, hopefully. Uh, But for now, this has been the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2.